I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 6, and I'll get there in a minute. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, I would, uh, I would say to my parents, when I, I, summer, you just look forward to summer, you can't wait for summer, you know, and just like, can't wait to have free time, I can't wait to not have to get up and go to school and do all these things. Then summer would come, and man, it was exciting, it was great. Then halfway through the summer, I remember going up to my mom and saying, Mom, I am so bored. You guys remember saying that as a kid? Mom, I'm so bored. I wish we could do something. I, you know one thing that I never say as an adult today? I am so bored. I, 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 I would love to have more time. I am, let me tell you guys, I am never, ever bored. Does anybody identify with that? I thought, man, if you could buy more time, I would be broke. I would just, if there was a way to add hours to the day or whatever to get everything done, because it's just one thing after another. And I think that's how we live life. And I think we've kind of adjusted to that. You know, you're parenting and it's, it's, it's I need schools and I'm going to sports and I need a ride here. And, and this, there's a fee for this. And I, I've got to take care of this in my life. And it's just one thing after another. I've got a school project due. When is it due? Tomorrow morning. Okay, why did you just tell me? It's just life. You know, when it comes to finances, it's, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm working hard, I'm paying the bills, I'm putting food on the table, and, you know, and then prices go up, and one thing after another goes up, and then you go shopping, grab that, you grab the basket, not a cart, because if you grab a cart, you're going to buy too much, so you grab the basket. Just add a couple of things to it. You're thinking, this is, this is going to be like 20, 25 bucks. You get up to the register, it's 40. Like, what did I buy? What in the world added up to costing that much? You go to the doctor, and then they send you to an appointment. You just know that you're not going to get one bill. It's just like five bills come in from one doctor. Like, who all did I see? I saw one dude. Test, prescriptions, problems in life. You're dealing with your kids, trying to get them to make good grades, and they come back, and they're being quiet. You investigate what's going on, and they open up to you that I'm being picked on at school. What do I do? How do I deal with it? You know, the thing is, none of what I just said is like a big shock. Like, man, I never knew that happened. We all can relate to one way or another. You know, you're on a fixed income and you're, you have Social Security or your retirement, whatever, and it's a fixed income. But the price of everything keeps going up and you're just trying to keep your head above water. You're just trying to keep up with these things. Life is hard. And I'm not saying that to be negative. I'm saying that to be real. It's just, it's full of challenges. But then this is, this is what happens in life. After a while, you just, you, you deal with these things, but then another problem comes in or another unexpected bill, or you're, you're, you're just trying to get to work back and forth, and then the car breaks down, but you, you need the car to get to work. And if you call off, you're going to be in trouble at work, but you can't call off because you need to put in those hours to get the money to fix the car. And it's not like you have a backup car, because if you had a backup car, you know, you'd have to spend more money on that. It's just, just one thing after another. You go in for the doctor's visit, and they call you back and say, we need to call you back in. We just saw some stuff that was a little off, and we need to do some more testing to make sure everything's okay. And after a while, it's just one thing after another after another, and you begin to get overwhelmed. And, and I truly say this from the perspective of saying I get it. I get it. I can push and I can work and I can work and I'm gonna and I'm gonna knock it out. Is anybody else have that thing? It's like no problem. I'm just gonna knock it out. But what do you do when it begins to knock you out? 
You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm pushing and I'm doing this and, and then life just doesn't seem to get any better. And then they start compiling and then you just begin to, just like that picture that we put out for this service, it's like that tsunami just coming in and just like, will you ever stop? And we say the words, I'm just done. You fight, you push, you resist, and you work, and you put in the hours, and you do this to the point where you just say, I am just, I'm, I'm just tapped out. I, I've done everything that I know to do. I don't have the energy. I don't have the patience. I don't have the resources. I just don't have, I don't have what it takes to keep going. I think this passage really, when I was, when I was reading this, man, it just stood out at me. There's a war going on between Israel and Syria. And this war was an interesting war because every time Syria stepped in, Israel is God's people. That's God's chosen people in the Old Testament and goes all the way back to the history of Abraham. And uh, it was cool because every time Syria stepped in to do something, Israel already knew about it. And they backed out of the ambush or they would already know what was going on or they would ambush them. And all these different war strategies were happening and Israel always had the upper hand. Well, then the king of Syria pulls all the people together and says, all right, what's going on? Somebody's telling them this isn't a coincidence. They are one step ahead of us in everything that we do. Well, one of the guys spoke up and he said, sir, I'm just going to tell you this is how it is. They have a prophet of God. And the prophet of God, for some reason, he already knows exactly what's going on because he's talking to God. And he took it, if you read in the verses before what we're about to get into, he says, he even knows what you're speaking of, even in your, even in your bedroom, in your chamber, when you're speaking alone and nobody's around. That, that, that prophet even knows that stuff. Stuff that only God could do. And he was telling Elijah, and Elijah's going to the king of Israel and they have the upper hand. Well, I'll tell you, this king wasn't very happy about this. And he's like, all right, who is this guy? Where's he at? I'm going to take him out. Now watch what happens in this story. So in, in 2 Kings 6, verse 13, and he said, go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore send he thither horses and chariots and a great host. Okay, wait a minute. We're talking about getting one guy, okay? We're after one guy, the prophet of God. This is Elijah that we're going after. And you can imagine the king meeting with his guys. He said, all right, get the chariots, get as many horses. I'll tell you what, forget that. Just get a whole host of people. In the Bible, a host of people could, it was just like a whole mass army that would show up at one time. It was the, the word host literally implies that it was a great number for one guy. But he knew that this guy had a connection with God. And he's like, you know what? If he's going to do this to us, we're going to take him out. And it says, and horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. When the servant of the man of God was risen early and had gone forth and behold, the host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. His servants said unto him, alas, my master, how shall we do? See, this wasn't just an attack. This is what you would call overkill. This, you, you talk about being overwhelmed in life. Let me tell you, they're overwhelmed in life. Uh, you know, he, he's surrounding the city, literally coming at him from every angle. You've got horses, you've got chariots, you've got weapons, you've got an army, you've got literally layers of people there. 
And so here you got Elijah's servant. I don't know where Elisha is at this time, but Elisha's servant walks outside. You know, he's got his robe on. It says early in the morning, he's got his cup of coffee. He's out there stretching and looks around and from every angle possibly, all it was is the enemy horses, you know, a whole host of people that was surrounding him. You can imagine he's starting to shake and backing up and he says, Master, what are we going to do? There is nothing in my ability to push that back. We don't have an army. We don't have resources. We don't, we don't have chariots. We don't even have a horse. What are we going to do? Now, the truth of the matter is, our situation is not the same. But I can tell you that we can identify what it's like to simply be outmanned, outnumbered, and outresourced. To feel overwhelmed. You guys are well aware of our journey a year and a half ago when all this started with Logan and and our cancer journey that we've been on for a year and a half, going on two years this summer. Part of it that we, we, we didn't always talk about is the fact that when Logan was scheduled to have surgery, we found out that Jenny's mom also had cancer. Her family wasn't able to come up and be with us because she was four weeks, three weeks away from her cancer surgery. Now we have a history of not having any cancer in our family. And then all of a sudden, you know, out of our two families, like two, two situations literally within weeks of each other. And God, God brought her mom through it and praise God she's cancer free today and what God did and stuff like that. But now there's, there's kind of that history in the back of our mind that, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a history in our family of, of cancer. So Jenny had a doctor's appointment and they saw something. She talked to me. She said, Tony, I, I know this is a lot, but they found something and, and they, they said that it, it has all the signs of being cancer. It's, it, it points in that direction. I said, well, we just need to schedule another appointment to find out. She said, I already did that. That's the appointment of the second appointment that they said that they want me to go in for an MRI to see what's going on. So here we are driving to the hospital, not with Logan in the car this time, but with Jenny. To go back into those rooms, to go through the same process, to go back and to put my wife into an MRI scanner, to to, to find out cancer. Now, I I, I have faith in God. Let me tell you, I believe that every song that we sang, I I sang it with all my heart because I truly believe it. And that's not me trying to be hyper-spiritual in front of you guys. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. But sometimes it doesn't feel like God is good. Now, you might not say amen to that, but I'm telling you, you probably thought it. And that's not the hyper-spiritual thing for us to say. Like, I'm not going to admit that, but sometimes I don't get excited about the songs because I'm not feeling that at this place. I'm, I'm like, because everything that's adding up around me does not feel good. Doesn't feel good. So I go sit in the, the lobby. And I sit there, and, I, and I'm praying, and then I get up, and I'm walking, and walking, and I'm walking, and I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated, and I'm praying, and I'm mad, and I'm okay, and I'm good, and I'm mad, and I'm, you know, it's like, my God, when is it going to stop? It's kind of like, can we, can we just get through one wave before the other? Does it have to come from both directions? And then now we are going through that whole Ah, scan anxiety. If anybody's been through scans before, if you get the scan and then you just wait to find out if a bomb's going to be dropped on you or if you're going to walk out rejoicing. And 
praise God, they called us up when we were going uh, out afterwards a couple hours later, and they said, hey, scans came back clear. You are cancer-free, and we praise God for that. That was God. But let me take you back to the overwhelming situation. Let me take you into it where you feel like, I can't do anymore, and I wish it would stop coming in this direction. Just tired. Can I tell you guys, and I know that you know this, and I'm going I'm to be speaking on this. Satan knows how to mess with you when you're going through stuff. It's not just the bill. It's not just the kids. It's not just the bullying at school. It's not just the economy. It's not just the, the status of your 401k. It's not all those things. It's what our minds do with it. Because it's a natural tendency for my mind to think of the what-ifs. Or you find out that, there, that, that it could be, uh, could be cancer. The signs could point to this. But then you know of somebody else going through this. And all you're said, that's going to be me. You know, and I, I, I struggle with this. And I'm just being transparent with you guys. I, I, I have friends. And we follow a bunch of cancer groups of friends that we're tight with. And when they have bad news, Jenny t- can tell you. It brings me down. Because I'm like, God, I just want to see a victory with them. So I know you can do it with me just need to see that. But, it, but it's not even, Jenny will remind me, she says, Tony, that, that's not us. It's not our story. It's, you've got to focus on what God's doing right now with us. But in my mind, I step into the unknown and I step into the what ifs and I step into the things that might happen. And I am pulled down with things that are not even happening in my life right now. It happens to all of us. He knows how to get in our heads. But man, I tell you, when you're feeling overwhelmed, it, it affects your breathing. It, you, you can't sleep at night, and there's nothing that just makes you go to sleep because your mind, remember, it's your mind, it's your mind, your mind. And you're driving to work, and you get to work, and you're thinking, where has my mind been for the last 30 minutes as I drove? It's just been in another place. Or you can even go to church and you're trying to listen to the message. You kind of zone in. And then all of a sudden your mind is in a thousand different places. Can I just tell you guys, and you, you, you're saying this. Life is so unfair. Can I tell you guys, life is unfair. It is unfair. You're like, sometimes the life feels unfair. Well, I'm going to tell you that's true. Jesus said to the disciples, in this world you shall have tribulation. He said, I'm just going to lay it out. <clears throat> In this world, you're going to have tribulation. Now, I deliberately didn't put all the verse on there because you know the rest of it. We'll get there. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. But in the middle of the tribulation, you're not thinking about that part. You just feel the weight of what you're going through. His servant is standing there having no clue what to do. In verse 15, the second part, And his servant said unto him, Alas, master, what shall we do? What, what are we going to do? And I think that's what the, the thought's going through all of our mind. What do you do when you're overwhelmed? What do you do when you can't do anything? But <clears throat> what do you do, I could put it like this, when you're scared to death? What do you do when you're out of resources? What do you do? And Elisha responds, and he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. 
This is an incredible story in the Bible. And I can tell you guys, maybe you don't know this story, but uh, Chris Tomlin has a song, The God of Angel Armies is Always on Our Side. And you guys know a lot of these things and these stories and the, uh, the, you know, the, the prayers that we pray. Lord, Lord, I, I pray for your army to stand with me and things like that. But this is a story where it all comes from. But I want to lay this out and make it very simple and make it very just... Uh, clear. Mark, Mark, would you mind coming up here for a minute? So we're going to act this out. We're not. We're not in the junior church or anything like that, but we're going to act this out for a minute. So Elisha's servant comes out, and they're, they're friends, they're buddies, they're facing everything, and they, they go around, and they just con- they serve the world together. But I'm telling you, God brings people like this. And by the way, this isn't just an illustration. Me and Mark are good friends. And what I'm about to tell you, and the reason why this dude is part of the service today, because what I'm illustrating to you about us going through stuff, we go through it together, don't we? Yes. We've gone through a lot of stuff together. And I can tell you, a lot of the things that I've faced and I've gone through, I could not have done it if I didn't have a guy like Mark Hughes standing next to me. So this dude goes outside. They're two servants of God, and he goes outside. I don't know where Elijah was, but it says that he goes out. And he's out there, and he's like, what are we going to do? You don't have to do that, but what are, you know, what are we going to do? And he's, just, he's just overwhelmed. But let me tell you how you just like, the God that does all these things, he's out there, and the God of angel armies and fiery chariots of the, the divine power of God is about to show up. Uh, he didn't know that. <laughs> this guy didn't know that. He didn't know that. But God brought somebody into his life that did. What do you do when you're overwhelmed? Let let me tell you, how do you overcome this? First thing, and I'm going to make this so practical, I'm going to tell you, you don't stand alone. Don't stand alone. And I I thank God for the series that Pastor Chris just preached for a couple weeks, and we did not do this on purpose, but it coordinates. And the fact is that you're going to face things, and it's not even like he knew that he was going to face things, but when he got there, God already had somebody lined up in his life to face it with him. Because here's what happens, Mark, and I know you know this, and I know that. I was driving down the road the other day and going down Winchester Pike, and it was really foggy. I mean, not just foggy, it was really, really foggy. And normally you can see the fields and everything around it. But when I'm driving down, I couldn't even see the houses that were on the sides of the road. And here they are. They're only like 10 feet apart or 10 feet away from me. But I could not, I could not see them around me. And, and, and let me tell you, that's what fear is. Fear blocks you from the reality of what's actually happening. Fear, fear is a fog. Fear is a feeling. And the reason why I say that, Elijah came out and said to his brother in Christ, he said, fear not. Do you know why he used those words in that situation? He was dealing with the overwhelming emotion that he was dealing with in that moment. Fear not. Because sometimes the other person in your life that is a believer and knows Jesus Christ and knows how to walk with God and does walk with God can see things that you can't see. And that's why it's important that he has somebody close to him standing with you. I, I, I asked you the question, who is standing with you? I, I asked, I, I don't know any other, who is standing with you? You say, but I can handle this because I've got God on my side. And praise God, you do have God on your side. But God works through people. There's a reason that God has established a local church. 
There's a reason that God said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as man or some is. It's not, again, you notice when we read the verse about coming together as a church, it doesn't just say it for the reason that you need to hear the preaching of the word of God. You know why? Because I can do that from a radio. I can do that from my cell phone and I can do that from a smart TV. But you know what I can't do with a smart TV in my living room? I can't do this. I can't do that. And when he's overwhelmed, I need somebody to stand next to me and say, dude, not only you're not alone, but I can tell you that we're going to do this together. Mark, you can be seated. He's like, I, I asked you this question. Who's standing with you? Now, when we first went into the hospital, man, we were, we were overwhelmed. And this was a year and a half ago. And then we had different people that would call us and just say, hey, we're down in the lobby. Can you come down for a minute? You say, what is the look of the, the church? What does the church look like? Can I, show you, can I show you the local church? Can I show you what church is? I want you to look at this right here. This is the church right here. Do you guys see this? This is when you step out of the intensive care. You walk down and there's other brothers and sisters in Christ. Can I show you another picture? This, this, is, this is the church right here. Say, that's weird. No, that, that is what God's called us to. That God's ordained plan for when you're going through difficult times. And, and you find out that your son has a mass in his chest and they don't know what to do and surgery is not an option. And I, have no, I don't even have the words to say and I, I don't know who to call and I don't know how to handle it. And they just gather around you and they pour their heart and their life into you because Bearing one another's burdens is more than just sending a card. It's standing next to them when they're going through things. Can I, can I show you another picture? This is the church. You are so stinking overwhelmed with life. When you don't have the words to say. When you are just completely crushed. And you have people that will gather around you and call your name out in prayer. And I'll tell you what, sometimes we make this so weird and religious. It should, it, let me show you this. And Elijah prayed. And so, Lord, I pray thee. Lord, Elijah prayed and he said, Lord, he's standing with his friend and he's, he's dealing with somebody that's overwhelmed. And he, and he turns and he says, I know that you don't have these words right now, but I do. And he turns to God and he says, God, I pray for him right now. I, I ask you the question, who's praying over you? And sometimes you say, well, I don't have people like that. It's important that you step into circles of friends that you do have that. And I know this is not easy because I tell you, we live in a world that we are busy, 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 busy. And sometimes we come in the church, we grab our spot, we listen to the message, we take the notes and we get out of here. But I tell you, church has got to get to more to the point where it's more about connection than it is just knocking out a list. It's got to be where it's people that are bearing each other's burdens and standing with each other because I'm telling you, you might not be there now, but I tell you, storms might be coming in your life where you're going to need this. You need people in your life that is close to you enough to know what you're dealing with. I promise you, it shouldn't be odd. And sometimes maybe stopping in a hallway or stopping by somebody's house or just saying before you get off the phone, can we stop and pray? You put that car in park or you get into the other room and you bow your head. That shouldn't be, that shouldn't be weird. It should be natural for us as Christians because that's what we do when we're overwhelmed. It's what we do. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he might see. 
Lord, I'm standing here with my friend that's overwhelmed and he's shaken. But Lord, I'm asking you to do what we cannot do for ourselves. Can I tell you that there's times in your life that you just don't even know what to say to God, but let somebody say it for you. What do you do when you're overwhelmed? I'm going to tell you, just don't stand alone because you're not alone. And you feel alone. I ask you to come back next Sunday and step back into a circle to meet people. Because God has a plan for the church and God has a plan for you being here. Now, don't miss this. This is the second part. In verse 16, and he answered, said, and, and he answered, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they be with them. Now, I'm going to tell you, the first of this, you can, is, 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 these two brothers in Christ are standing there. You can imagine like, dude, will you just stop? Have you ever just get me, mad and irritated with people that try to be all super spiritual and over positive? You know, it's going to be okay. It's like, no, oh, okay, because you're not broke and trying to deal with this issue. You got here in a car that works, and my car's broke down, and you're going to drive off and be like, God's got your back, buddy. You know, I was like, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes people are just so hyper-spiritual, you just want to punch them. I, if you can take that out of the, the, the Facebook feed. <laughs> just get irritated with people. But, but... He, Elijah in this situation wasn't trying to be hyper-spiritual or throw out cliche statements. In that moment right there, Elijah was just saying, I know that God's working in ways that you can't see yet. Here's the point. And Elijah prayed and said, open his eyes that he might see. See what? See, how do you overcome when you're overwhelmed? You've got to learn that you have to fight the right battle. If you've ever questioned why life just does not let up. You raise your kids in church to love God and you feel like they're getting off track, but you don't know how to connect to them. That's hard. Or you work and you work and you work because you know that the job that we have as Christians is you work hard. You, you, if a man doesn't work, neither shall he eat. And you're like, Lord, I'm not eating, but I sure am working. Or, or it's just the, the, the things that just seem to not make sense in life. And for every one of us, it's different, but you know what I'm talking about. It's different, but you know what I'm talking about. Can I say that there's more that was happening in the story than what you could see? And God allowed them in this situation to see the spiritual war. And the Bible says, even in the New Testament, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. See, the real battle that you're dealing with, and you say, man, this is so overwhelming, and I don't know what to do with my kid. And God's saying, the battle is not with your child. There's something happening behind the scenes causing the rebellion. And it's not just your husband that seems disconnected. There's a war going on in his mind and a war going on in his heart that only God knows about because there's a spiritual warfare. I, I know that the devil has done a great job of deceiving our minds when it comes to spiritual warfare, that we begin to think about spiritual warfare as a little guy in a red suit jumping on our shoulder, whispering in our ear to do bad things. But the Bible describes him as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is literally out to rip you apart. He is out to tear apart your kids, to make them question their identity, to make them question their love for you and their love for God, to confuse them about everything that should be normal in life. 
He is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour to tear apart. There is something greater happening behind the scenes, and it's greater than what you can handle. And it causes stress, and it causes you to feel overwhelmed, and it causes you to be pushed back. And after a while, you just get sick of being stressed and sick of being defeated, and you realize that I've got to push back, but with what I'm doing, it's got to be greater than what I'm already doing. Because working overtime and just having a better attitude about the day is not going to do it. And the Bible even tells us, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly. It's not something tangible. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. God is literally saying, if you're going to fight this, you better fight in the right way. And if you're sick of being beat up, you better do something different. I challenge everybody that's here today, if you're saying, man, I get beat up constantly by the devil, and I didn't even know it was the devil, but I get sick of being pushed around, you better do something different. Because you can fight a spiritual warfare with carnal measures. And it says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, bringing in captivity every thought, the mental, emotional, fear, Think about it. He says, fear not. You know why he said that? Because he was sitting there shaking. Bringing in the fact that he has to be reminded of what God's doing. How do you overcome when you're overwhelmed? You've got to stop listening to the lies of the devil. And the only avenue that you have to do that is you've got to fight with God's power. You cannot do it by yourself. You think I'm going to walk out of church and I can handle this? Not going to happen. You think you can walk away from the word of God and you can handle it? You cannot. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he might see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elijah. Let me give you one last thing. Here he is in this circumstance. It's crazy, all right? And here his vision is horizontal. And they say this, all of our vision is horizontal. I got to deal with my boss. I've got to get through this traffic. I got to deal with my kids. I got to talk to my spouse. I've got to fix these finances. I've got to make more money. I've got to pay the rent. It's horizontal. The enemy comes in as a horizontal thing. They're literally round about them. And they're like, you know, let's go. Let's go. What are we going to do? Let's, I've got this one. You get that one. And they're trying to figure out how are we going to bring him down. And the Bible says that the mountains full. It's almost like God saying, oh, hey, up here, up here. And Elisha, his brother in Christ, step back and they look up. And everywhere that they could see, it was lit up with the power of God. What do you do when you're overwhelmed? I've got to tell you, we've got to be a generation that looks up instead of looking just forward. Because the whole principle that he was teaching in this was the fact that if you fix your eyes on the circumstances, you are going to continue to live overwhelmed in life. Because God has something better for you because Satan is going to fix your eyes on that news. You're going to go to bed thinking, man, the economy is going to fall apart and I can't do anything about it. The story is a visual to look up to the God that's above their circumstances. And that's what it was. God was above their circumstances. It's all a visual. God was just like painting a picture. He's putting out flannel graph, okay? He's just, he's just illustrating the story in front of them. But what we're learning from this is when you look up, you're going to realize that our God is greater. Here, and Elijah comes to him and he said, do you not know that 
the one that is with us is greater than they that be with him. You know what he's talking about? He said, I don't care what the enemy has. My God has more. My God is bigger. My God is above these things. And by the way, the whole illustration of this, if you were here for Christmas, that that every time that says, and the most high God, that is the name for God that is El Elyon. The most high God literally means the fact that whatever I'm dealing with in life, God is looking down on it. God's not battling like this. God is looking down on it. He is above all these things. He is above your finances. He can see in ways that you can't see it. He can deal with it in ways that you can't deal with it. He, is, he, he goes before you, he's around you, he's, he's dealing with it in ways that you can't even imagine. Behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire. Elisha knew this. I'm going to ask you guys a question. What, what's the disconnect? Because let's be honest. Sometimes we get really frustrated in services like this. It's like, God is greater, the great I am. Who can stand in the presence of the great I am? And then you walk in on Monday and it's just like being beat up all week long. So it's almost like we're being drugged back in the church on a gurney. Like, fix me up again. I gotta, I gotta get back to work and deal with family and all these other things. It's like, we're like on crash carts coming to God on Sunday. Shouldn't be that way. I'm gonna ask you guys a question. I need audience participation. Do you believe that God is greater than your circumstances? That was kind of weak, kind of weak. I thought I was talking to a room full of Christians and people. Do you believe that God is greater than your circumstances? Can I read something again? Chapter 6, verse 17. And Elijah prayed. Do you see the, the, the disconnect between the God of angel armies in my circumstances is the fact that he went from looking at the fear of what was around him to crying out. And this is, this is the verse, and I will cry unto the most high, unto God that performeth all things for me. We have got to get back to being a generation of people that cry out to the most high God. I'm thankful you're here. But let me tell you, you can walk out of here and still be overwhelmed tomorrow. I'm just telling you the truth. Satan's not going to be like, oh, they went to church. We're going to back off of that guy. (laughs) The whole point of what God was doing was bringing him through this. But Elijah was like, God, we need you in this situation. And the mountain was full of chariots of fire. It was a divine presence of God. I've seen chariots, but not chariots on fire with the presence of God. See, what God was doing was not man-made. It was not manufactured. It was something that was out of this world. The next thing is God is for you. I love this, verse 17. And the mountain was full of horses. It doesn't say God show them and then all of a sudden they all barged in and showed up. All it was was showing them what God was already doing. And, and the story continues and it's pretty, pretty, pretty cool. The fact is, you get in situations, you're thinking, I have no idea. Now, we do the math on it. Like, if I, if I work these extra hours, and if I get this money, and the tax refund comes in, and if as long as it's this, and we still get that deduction, okay, we get the, and, you know, we try to figure it out, then yes, we're going to make it. 
or when it comes to Social Security, as long as I don't have this and rent doesn't go up and if I pull back on this, you, you know what I'm saying? Every situation that we have, we try to figure it out. And when it doesn't add up, then we feel overwhelmed. There's just no way we're going to do this. I'm not going to read these next verses, but let me tell you what happens. Elijah prays to God and says, God, will you work in this situation? I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. And, and God said, and Elisha prays to God saying, can you blind them? Now, they weren't blinded like they were walking around not being able to see. But the Bible says that they came down and they were like, we're looking for the enemy and we don't know where to go. And Elijah says, come with me, guys. Let's take care of this. And they all start following Elisha. They, they were literally supposed to come down and tear him apart. And God literally sent this delusion, this blindness, this mental block to them. And Elijah's leading the, the, this massive army in the wrong direction. You know, and you say, what is the point of that? God is working in ways that you can't put together yourselves. God works in ways that you can't see. He's working behind the scenes. And when you try to add it up and it doesn't add up, I can promise you, God doesn't work on your math. God doesn't work in that way. In every situation, God does the unexpected just to prove to you that your ways are not his ways. His, his ways are far above your ways. 